0: Continuing our series today in the Gospel of John, <clears throat> and before we do that, I want us to think about um, really kind of a, a well-known quote. You've probably heard people say this before: "Absence makes the what heart grow fonder," right I'm not very fond of that saying. Uh, now, I, I, I do realize there is some truth to that. Lisa, my wife, she just got back home last night. Our daughter, Gracie, uh, went and picked her up from the airport, and she, she had been gone for like five days. It felt like an eternity. Yes, my heart was fond. I was like, where is she? I can't wait to see her. I, I couldn't wait to just uh, give her a hug. But if, if you're like me, um, you know, absence makes the heart grow fond. There's some truth to that, but I say absence just stinks, <laughs> doesn't it? I mean, when, when Lisa was away this last week, I rarely had a good night's sleep. I couldn't fall asleep. I'd wake up multiple times. You know, i reach over and nobody's there. It's, it's just, uh, when, when, when our girls uh, got to the teenage years and uh, they were out late in the evening on the, on the weekends, you know, they're absent. I wasn't any fonder. I was awake. I was awake. I was worrying. I was thinking. I couldn't. No, no matter what, how late they came home, I, I had to stay awake until they got home. I, absence makes a heart grow fine. In school, did you ever get any uh, extra credit for being absent? No. No, you didn't. Uh, at, at your work, do you get any brownie points with the boss when you're absent? No, you don't. <laughs> absence just stinks. I, Lisa, Lisa flew to, uh, well, she drove to Texas last Monday with our oldest daughter, Lainey, and she left her there. I mean, it was on purpose. It wasn't an accident. <laughs> <laughs> Lainey got a job, a new job. She's working at Magnolia. All the ladies in the house are like, what? <gasps> like Chip and Joanna Gaines, Fixer Upper, Magnolia, my daughter, Lainey Nielsen, is working there. You can clap. That's like a proud dad moment. Like, it's really cool. It's really awesome, except that she's absent now. It changes the whole dynamic of our household. You know, I never understood like when, when my mom would, when I'd ask my mom, like, "What do you want for Christmas? Oh, I just want all the kids to be home together." And I thought, that, don't you want like something else like until we had kids of our own, and, and they went off to college and and, and it's like there's this, there's this fulfilling thing that happens when everybody is home and together again. They say absence makes the heart grow fonder, but I say absence just stinks. Or perhaps absence makes the heart break. We're in this series in the Gospel of John, and this weekend we come to John chapter 16. And Jesus has been warning his disciples all along that he was going to be leaving them. And yet, they, they just, they couldn't imagine it. They didn't quite understand what he was really getting at. Like, no, of course, Jesus, he's not, I mean, he's here with us. He's for us. He's always going to be leading us. He can't leave us. And yet, Jesus comes again in John chapter 16, and beginning in verse 5, he reminds them again that he's leaving. He says, but now... I am going away to the one who sent me. And none of you is asking where I am going. Instead, Jesus said, "You grieve because of what I have told you." Jesus was, was about to go away. Now he had told them this multiple times before, And in this moment, Jesus, I think Jesus is kind of hurting. He's like, none of you guys are even worried about me. You're you're just worried about yourself. You're worried about how my, my absence is going to affect your lives, but none of you are asking me where I'm going. And he says in the text, I'm going back to the one who sent me. He was going back to heaven. He was going back to the presence of his Father. No, nope, none of the disciples stopped and said, "Well so where are you going, Jesus? I mean, uh, are you excited about going? Are you going on a trip? Where, where are you headed?" And Jesus says, "No, no, instead, you just grieve because of what I've told you." And Jesus must have saw the grief in their hearts, and he knew that his absence was not going to make their hearts grow fonder. They were hurting. And some of you in the room, you know the absence of someone that you love and care for and the heartbreak that it brings when they're when they're not close by or, or they're not around or perhaps they've already gone home to the father and so what Jesus says next to his disciples he's it is meant to give them some clarification and it's really meant to give them some hope in the midst of his absence because this is what he says In fact, it's best for you. Remember what he just said. I'm going away. I'm going to see my father. And he says, but in fact, this is the best thing for you, that I go away. He said, because if I don't, the advocate won't come. But if I do go away, I will send him to you. That word advocate, we'll discover in just a few moments, is another word or a title for the Holy Spirit. Jesus was saying... Listen, I know you're grieving because I'm leaving you, but I'm telling you it's the best thing for you because if I don't go away, the Holy Spirit's not going to come. And Jesus knew that his people desperately needed the presence of the Holy Spirit in their lives. And so it leads us to a bottom line truth this weekend, that what's best for us may not always make sense to us. Can you say that with me? What's best for us may not make sense to us. How many of you have been in a situation like that? Uh, Yeah, something that happened in your life and you're like, this does not make sense. But at some moment, it's like the light came on or a new pathway opened up and you realize that what what was happening in your life that you couldn't understand, that made no sense, all of a sudden the puzzle pieces started to come together. Maybe it, was the, maybe it was the loss of a job or a job transition that was so hard, but then it opened up a new opportunity that you didn't know you could be a part of. Maybe it was a, a, a hard move. You were a teenager and, and dad got a, a, a job transfer and you're like, I've got to leave all my friends. And you thought, this, this doesn't make sense. But that, that led you to a new place where, where eventually you made a whole host of new friends. Maybe one of your very best friends that you would have never met if you had not made that move that you didn't understand at the time. What's best for us may not always make sense sense to us. And Jesus was looking at the disciples and they are grieving and they are confused and they're like, this cannot be, Jesus can't leave us. But Jesus knew this was actually the best thing for the disciples and it was the best thing for you and me as his followers today as well. Now the reason he says is because if he didn't go away, the advocate wouldn't come. And he said, unless I go away, uh, I, I'm not going to send him to you. This was the promise of the Holy Spirit that would come to fruition in the book of Acts in the early church. And all the while, God's Spirit had come upon people for moments, for missions, for opportunities, but never before had God's Spirit indwelt people permanently. And Jesus says the advocate won't come, uh, that, that word advocate is the Greek word paraclete. It simply means uh, one who comes alongside. In fact, one who comes closely alongside. And the disciples are distraught and grieving over the, over the fact that Jesus says he's leaving, but he says, no, don't worry. I'm sending you another one who's going to walk so closely with you. Word advocate. I love how the Amplified Bible translates or kind of paraphrases and kind of expands, gives us a, maybe a, a fuller picture of what this word paraclete means. Uh, John 16, 7 in the Amplified Bible says, But I tell you the truth, it is for your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper, and there's our word, paraclete, the Holy Spirit, the, the Comforter, the Advocate, the Intercessor, the Counselor, The strengthener, the standby. He will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him, the Holy Spirit, to you to be in close fellowship with you. Jesus was saying, Listen, things might not make sense right now, but it's actually the best thing for you. He says, I'm going to, in John chapter 14, he had made a similar promise. See, Jesus had said this before, but again, the the disciples are not catching on and they're not wanting, or perhaps they're not wanting to accept the truth that Jesus is leaving them. And in John chapter 14, he says, I'm going to ask the Father, he will give you another advocate. Sounds the same as John 16. And then he adds this, he says, who will never leave you. In fact, in John 14, he says, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. A year or so ago, we were in a series, and we looked at John chapter 14, and our bottom line truth was this. Jesus may have left us, but he didn't leave us alone. And he didn't leave the disciples alone, and he didn't, hasn't left you and I alone. He says, there's going to be one that's in you now that will never, ever leave you. Jesus was promising the permanent, personal presence of God with his people through the Holy Spirit. Now, if you're like me, there's moments in my life where, you know, things are chaotic or things aren't making sense or we're facing a, a real difficult situation or I need some wisdom and some guidance. And have you ever just thought, you so, man, I just couldn't just, man, Jesus, couldn't you just, it, all, only to live like when the disciples lived, like, you know, and Jesus is over there eating, eating, and so you can just walk over and like, Jesus, hey, real quick, you got to help me like and and you could just face to face talk to Jesus see Jesus hear Jesus right and you think that would be the best thing wouldn't it the best thing would be just to have my personal physical tangible Jesus with me all the time but here's the thing about that thought when Jesus came to this earth and he took on human flesh he took on the some of the limitations of being a human being you know what that means okay so so let's say Jesus was here right now in the flesh. Uh, and, and, and you and I, we could ask him, like we'd have a little panel discussion. Well, there'd be no panel. It'd just be Jesus because he's got all the wisdom. So one chair, Jesus is up here. I'm interviewing. Any questions you want to ask, you can just talk to Jesus, hear it directly from his lips to your ears. Wouldn't that be awesome? Here's the problem with that, though. If, if Jesus was here sitting in a chair right now doing that for us, there's a whole bunch of other people, like my daughter Lainey, who's in Texas, Well, she needs Jesus too. I mean, she's she's on a whole new venture. She doesn't know what it's going to be like. She's starting a new job on Monday. And if Jesus was here, he couldn't also be there for Lainey. Or if Jesus was personally helping me out with the issue, because i got plenty of issues, that would mean that he wouldn't always be able to be there for you when you needed him. You see, this is why Jesus says, it's best for you that I go away. Because if I go away, then I'll send the advocate. And he'll always be with you. You see, the Holy Spirit is unlimited. He's a spirit. He's not limited to a body. And he can be in anybody that puts their faith and hope in Jesus. And so we can have that personal presence of God with us at any moment. And I think we, man, guys, I think we miss this sometimes. We forget that God's Spirit is right there if you've given your life to Jesus. And all we have to do is, is turn to Him and say, Spirit of God, lead me, help me, guide me, comfort me. And He can be there. You see, what's best for us may not always make sense to us. And Jesus goes on in this passage to give more reasons why the, it was important, why it was best for us and best for our world and best for humanity, that he go away and that he send the Spirit. In verse 8, he says, and when he comes, the Holy Spirit, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. Now, that word convict, like, well, I didn't, we don't really need him to do that. Like, we, none of us, we don't like conviction. Like, that's kind of a bad word, isn't it? Actually, the the word can be translated in a number of ways. It can mean to convince, or to prove, or to persuade. It's really that word "convict" is a, a legal term. It's it's like uh, when a, when a when a lawyer is there next to his defendant, and so what is he doing? He's trying to convince the jury that his defendant is not guilty. Or, on the flip side, if it's the prosecutor, he knows that someone is guilty and he's trying to convince and persuade and prove to the jury that that person is at fault. And this is what the work of God's Spirit is here to do in our world and here to do in our lives to convict us. And and he says, first of all, to convict us of sin. Well, there's another bad word, right? Like, who wants to think about that? Sin is like, uh, it's, it's anything that we do think, say, that goes against the very character of God. So, so um, lying is a sin because God is truth, and uh, hate is a sin because God is love. And we've got some of those things in our lives, don't we? Some hatred. We've got some lies. We've told some lies. We, we've got some wrong thoughts. But it's the Spirit's job to come into the world to, well, to convince us of that, to help us see ourselves who we really are, even even the not-so-good parts. But the reason that God wants to convict is not to, to condemn. In fact, Jesus said, I didn't come to condemn the world. I came to, world, came to the world to save the world. But in order for Jesus to save the world, his people needed to realize that we fall short of his glorious perfection and that we are sinful beings and That we need a remedy for that sin, a savior. In fact, Jesus goes on in the text to say, "And the world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me." I don't really believe in like you know levels of sin, maybe depending on your background or your history. You know, like well, there's those sins and then there's those sins. You know, it. it, it, Listen, I, I'm not here to make a, a judgment call on any of that. But here's here's what I do know: if there was a sin that was like, ooh. The, the sin. Jesus names it right here. He says, this, this is the world's sin. This is, this is the biggie. This is the, this, is, this is the unforgivable one. It's that the world refuses to believe in me. Jesus, the one that left heaven and came to this earth and gave his life away, he says, there's one sin that is offensive to me. It's to not believe in me after all I have done for you. This is the sin, this is the sin that, that sends all people to a place other than heaven. But Jesus sends the Spirit to convict the world of that, to help us, to wake us up, to, to convince us, that we are sinful, so that we'll turn to Him as the Savior, and He goes on to say that the Spirit comes to convict to convince the world of our sin, but also of God's righteousness. Now, this is a problem because the more that we realize that God is righteous and holy and true, it 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 it, it gives us a problem, right? Like, well, then how can if we are convicted sinners, how can we have? access to a holy and righteous God. Well, that's why Jesus says what he says next. He says, and righteousness is available. This is good news. Righteousness, Jesus says, is available because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. Now, before he went to the Father, he was going to go to the cross and into the grave, and then he was going to rise from the grave and walk amongst people, and then he was going to go into heaven to see his father. And Jesus says, because of my work and because I am ultimately going away, righteousness is now going to be available. It was on the cross that this great exchange happens where where Jesus took upon our sins, our shortcomings, our mess-ups, our mistakes, and when we put our faith in him, when we believe on him and trust our lives to him confess our sins, since we are convicted felons, this great exchange happens. He takes on our sin on the cross, and then he gives us the gift of his righteousness, a righteousness that we could have never like, created or made or earned on our own. And then Jesus says one more thing. Oh, in the Holy Spirit, he's going to come, and he'll convict the world uh, of sin and of righteousness and of the coming judgment. Ooh. Now, there's another word we don't like to talk about, right? Judgment. Who wants to think about that? Who wants to hear about that? But Jesus, you ever had somebody tell you something that you needed to hear? Maybe in the moment it didn't make sense, but it was actually the best thing for you? (laughs) Something that you didn't want to hear, something that you didn't like to hear, and yet out of love they told you anyway because they cared? And this is the work of God's Spirit in the world and in our lives. It's to point out some of our shortcomings and our waywardness and to to warn us that there is judgment coming. But the great news for those that have put their faith and hope in Jesus, we don't have to face the same judgment as the rest of the world. In fact, God's word says that for those that are in Christ Jesus, that have put their faith and hope in Jesus, there's no condemnation. This is why the Spirit has come, to wake us up, to wake up our world, to change our lives. So I wonder, what what have you, what have I recently felt convicted about that maybe we haven't done anything about? You know those moments where you're like, oh, I shouldn't have done that, I shouldn't have said that. That, that might be the, the Holy Spirit at work in your life and when we feel kind of convicted or we feel a little bit of guilt, that's not necessarily a bad thing if it leads us to turning to Jesus again and again. Because no matter how many times we've blown it, no matter how guilty we are, no matter how convicted or maybe perhaps condemned we might feel, Jesus is always right there inviting us. Remember, he, he shared the bread and the cup with Judas, the betrayer. So there's hope for you and for me. Well, Jesus goes on in the text and, and to, to describe more of what the Holy Spirit wants to do. He says, there's so much more I want to tell you, but you can't even bear it. You can't handle it. He says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard, and he will tell you about the future. This is another part of the work of God's Spirit, and I think there's a twofold meaning here. First of all, I, I, I think that, that Jesus uh, was telling his disciples then, I'm, I'm, the Spirit's gonna lead you into all truth. He's gonna, in fact, in John 14, he says, and the Spirit's gonna remind you of everything that I have said to you. I think Jesus was making a promise to those disciples, several of whom wrote some of the pages of Scripture. And he was giving a promise to his disciples that the Holy Spirit would be the one that would guide them and remind them and lead them into the truth so that they could write the pages of the New Testament so that you and I have a New Testament to read the story of Jesus about and study the Gospel of John like we're doing right here, right now, this weekend. And we have that because of the work of God's Spirit in the lives of his followers. See, what's what's best for us sometimes doesn't make sense to us. The disciples were grieving over the loss of Jesus, and yet they didn't realize that, oh, I'm going to send my Spirit, and I'm going to write the pages of Scripture through some of your penmanship. He goes on to say, and he, the Spirit, will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. All that belongs to the Father, Jesus said, is mine. That is why I said the Spirit, Jesus said, will tell you whatever he receives from me. So this is the second part of this promise that the Spirit would guide, lead us into all truth. It's not just that he would help the disciples, some of the early apostles, write the pages of Scripture. But the work of God's Spirit in this world today and in your life and my life today is to guide us into his truth, to lead us into his word, to illuminate our, our, our thinking and our hearts, to be open to understanding what the truth of God's word has to say to us, either to, yeah, to convict us or to challenge us, but ultimately to lead us to Jesus and then to propel us forward in purpose in this life. To live for Jesus to live like Jesus to make an impact for Jesus, this is the work of God's Spirit today. You see, it's what's best for us may not always make sense to us. Uh, there's a lot of things. Tell me if you agree. There's a lot of things in this life that just don't make sense, right? It was a. Uh, it was overnight. Yeah, just just about 19 years ago um, lisa and i we were serving in another church in the Akron area i i was serving under my, my mentor and some things had occurred and i had just been decimated lost faith in a person that was a mentor to me and it was causing all kinds of hurt and division in the church and so one day I, I said I, I, I don't think I can in good conscience. Keep serving here. And so I left that position without without another job to go to, and it was like, man, this does not make sense. And I started applying to different churches and stuff, and I'd get a phone call, interview, or whatever, and then then I'd get another phone call. Well, thanks, Todd, but you know we're moving forward with another candidate, and and well, yeah, it was good to talk to you, you know, but we just. Uh, we found a guy he's just got a little bit more experience than you. And you know, I just man, I was just like, come on, this does not make sense. Then this this opportunity opened up in Annapolis, Maryland, right on the bay, beautiful area, very expensive area, but beautiful area. It, and it was going to be working underneath another person that had become a mentor in my life. I thought, man, this would be just a dream job. I could just learn, continue to learn and grow and and I went and I candidated and made great connections with, with some students and, and some, of, some of the staff. And I thought, man, this is, Lisa, I think this is it. I was so excited. And, and then the, 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 the lead pastor and the executive pastor, they met with me on the last day of my time there. And they're like, you know, we, we just, we aren't, we aren't sure that this is the right fit. And man, I just thought, you've got to be kidding me. What's wrong with me? This, this does not make sense. God, what are you doing? It was actually on the way uh, to that, that uh, candidating weekend that, that I got a, a call from the cha- this place called The Chapel. And I said, we wondered, Todd, they'd already turned me down once. And then they said, well, the other guy didn't. It wasn't what we thought. And, you know, we're wondering, you know, thanks for being, you know, second pick. feels real great. They said, we, we wonder if, if you might still be interested in talking more. And I was kind of just down and out. And I, I, I sat and I met with, with, with the elders and some of the pastors. And I remember just feeling like, this, I told Lisa, this church is too good for us. I mean, have you seen this place? And they just got awesome stuff going on. I'm like, we'll never get to go to some place like that. And then they hired me 19 years ago to be pastor of student ministries. And my life has never been the same. And it did not make sense at the time. But God had his best in mind. I would have never got to be part of lives of students, students like, like Meg Ravis. She was in my youth group here at the chapel, and now she's leading us every weekend in worship. And and Pastor Eric, oh yeah, he was one of my youth leaders when I was the youth pastor. And now he's our co lead pastor, and he's coming back next weekend. Aren't you glad? like, yeah, come on. I would never got to see God at work in people's lives and using them in incredible ways. And I would have never gotten asked to then go go help plant a church in Norwalk and open up the Norwalk campus. And now there's 900 people every weekend. They're coming to know Jesus and following him with their lives. And when Pastor Bill retired, I would have never been in a seat where somebody might have said, you know, I wonder if you and Eric would want to just continue to champion the mission and the vision of the chapel together. See, guys, what's best for us may not make sense to us. But Jesus said to his disciples, they they didn't understand, Jesus, you can't leave us. Jesus said, listen, no, you don't understand it. This is the best thing for you. And the Holy Spirit, he, he can now be our comforter when we're going through times of great sorrow. He can, he's our advocate when we feel accused and we need somebody to, to stand beside us. He's our intercessor when we don't even know what we should pray. He's our counselor when we don't know what to do. He's our strengthener when we feel weak. He's our standby when we feel alone. You guys, what's best for us may not make sense to us. I don't know what's going on in your life that doesn't make sense and we've got our own stuff right now with our son Carter. It doesn't make sense, but I'm trusting. I'm trusting Jesus that the best is still yet to come. And by the power of God's spirit, he can do things in our lives that we could never imagine. So this week, lean in. Lean into him. He is right pray with me. Lord, thank you for the gift of your spirit. Encourage us, challenge us, convict us where it's needed. Empower us, illuminate us, lead us. Use us. Thank you, Jesus, for going away and sending us your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great rest of your weekend.